Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Hello and welcome to St. Joseph Radio Presents. Uh, I'm your host today, Ray Gerard. With me in studio, Sean Miller. Sean, how are you today? Doing well. Glad to be here. So Sean is, uh, we haven't had the pleasure of, of doing one of these programs uh, together, but uh, I understand you've, you've done a few of these. So yes. This is, this is old hat for you. Yeah, uh, I'm the director of religious education at Immaculate Heart of Mary Church. I was going to say that. And uh, okay, I'm sorry I, I, about that. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, I've been privileged to do these. It's good stuff. Yeah. No, so no, so uh, yeah. Um, so you've been doing that for 20, 25 years. Yeah, over twenty years. Not it always hasn't been as a DRE, but I kind of worked my way up the ranks from kind of working with youth to you know doing various things. So now that's the official title. I'm not into titles, but that's the official title that I'm in. So this that's is one of the things title. I get to do. I teach. RCA. A lot of the stuff that I've done over the years with RCA, I've tried to put in memory aids to help them recall it. And uh, this is what these presentations are kind of based. It's a way for me to kind of put it all together and uh, try and uh, use it for present and future stuff. And so we get to be the benefit now of all that I teaching guess. experience. You're going to help hope. teach us a little bit? I hope, yeah. Well, before <laughs> I let you do that, perhaps you could do us one other favor, a different kind of favor. Sure. Could you, could you lead us in a prayer? I will, yep. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, upon us now in this conversation, and upon all who will hear these words. Give us ears to hear and hearts and wills to follow. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> well, thank you, Sean. All right. So, um, the sacraments. You're here to talk to us today about the sacraments. About the sacraments. The Magnificent Seven, Seven Ridges Road, Seven Wonders of the World, Ancient and Modern, Seven from Heaven. So, uh, the prayer that we just said in the Our Father really is a petition for the sacraments, as we'll kind of see. I'll speak about that towards the end. But, um, yeah, I want to be recommending a few resources about the sacraments. Are we, are Catholics like a just a bunch of silly people. We got all these sacraments. Oh. I mean, these old rituals. I mean, we're just a bunch of old-fashioned. We got some serious of... power tools, is what it is. <laughs> the problem is we're not really taking advantage of it. So my goal in this talk is really 
Um, lay out the case for what these are, how they are meant to form us and shape us, and um, give a few little tools along the way that you can recall these, and then also to prepare for them. Because, you know, like with all this talk on vaccines and viruses and whatnot, you know, really the sacraments are the cure from the cross. And the real big virus of the day is sin. You know, like I was thinking that people are are, uh, more offended by this three-letter word of sin than the fourth-letter words that they hear all the time. And it's like we're talking about viruses and diseases. we got to really think about, well, what are we really up against in time and in eternity? Because the one thing we want to have wiped out of our lives is the virus of sin. So sacraments are these power tools that lay it out there. So that's what I'm going to be speaking about today. So. Because uh, really the sacraments are nothing less than the mystical power of God mm-hmm. coming to us. Yep. So what I did is, uh, to prepare for this talk, I got a little uh, pamphlet, handout. Actually, uh, Peter Kreutz and I, we always speak about Dr. Larry Feingold. He wrote this new tome called Touched by Christ, the Sacramental Economy, this nice, thick, some light reading. <laughs> thick book. And it really sets the tone for our discussion today, to be touched by Christ. And this is what he does. And I I just want to give this opening paragraph. It's beautiful that he wrote, and it's going to set the stage. The Incarnation is the center of all God's plans for mankind. Two millennia ago, the Word became flesh. He dwelt among us for 33 years, completed his Paschal mystery, rose from the dead, and 40 days later left this earth in his ascension. However, he still wished to remain among us so that we could encounter him in his humanity with its life-giving and medicinal power. And therefore, he established the sacraments of the church to be the principal means of encounter with his humanity between his ascension and his second coming. St. Leo the Great said, what was to be seen of our Redeemer has passed over into the sacraments. And this is what's beautiful. When you think about the Godhead, Peter Craven said that, you know, you look at God the Father like God outside of us, the Creator. The Son, God God the Son, the Redeemer, right? He walks beside us. And then God the Holy Spirit, who is the sanctifier, he's walks He's inside us, so outside, beside, inside. That's the progression of love, you know. And so here in this primary gift of the Spirit, in the age of the Spirit, which we're in, we've got these sacraments where he empowers and animates physical things to live and breathe and move within us so that we can be his living voice and hands in the world. And that's a beautiful thing to ponder. That's a yeah, it's an extremely beautiful thing to ponder. Yeah. I, was, I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about the differences. Somebody attended a, a church service uh, with a family member, uh, which was one of these big, you know, uh, televangelist type, you know, situations and so forth. And uh, this family member, you know, fell away from the Catholic Church, and you know, uh, and we we're trying to, you know, we we're talking uh, over coffee, a uh, bunch of us about, you know. Why is it people don't understand the beauty of the Mass, one of the sacraments? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how does it that we, we explain that to people? They don't. And somebody said in, in, in this group discussion that, you know, what's, and he was actually a convert from a different faith. He said, Our church is a very mystical church. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're talking about, right? With this. Well, yeah, I mean, you think about like, so the Lord didn't want to leave us orphans. So we set up this system, this sacramental system. We call it like this liturgy. So that all people of all times would have this access to grace. Now, you think about the word liturgy itself. It originally meant a public work or a service in the name of or on behalf of the Christian or of the people. In the Christian worldview, this is Christ the high priest still mystically representing himself and primarily in the Mass. I mean, one of the things you think about the Mass is that really the main celebrant, the main presider is the Lord himself, Christ the high priest, working through the physical man of the priest on the altar there that we see. 
But at the center of all these things, you look at like, as we speak about the sacraments, I mean, right off the top, we got to say that <clears throat> at, at the heart of this, just like the Mass, you know, the Eucharist is the source. The sa- other sacraments are streams of grace. You can look at like the Eucharist is like the sun and all the other sacraments like the planets rotating around them. And, um, you know, Dr. Feingold wrote this other small book called The Eucharist, which is actually bigger than this one. And, 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 <laughs> yeah, bigger and than that one. That one looks pretty big. It, it's fitting when you, when you think about this because, uh, like the Catechism says, because the Lord's priesthood was not to end with his death at the Last Supper on the night when he was betrayed, he wanted to leave to his beloved spouse, the church, a visible sacrifice as the nature of man demands. So it's like we're not angels, we're not pure spiritual beings, so it's fitting that the Lord would use some vis- some visible physical means to come into us as visible physical creatures. So we got just like himself, he's both something seen and unseen. So too the Lord's going to give us this gift primarily in the Eucharist as a means to sanctify us. And um Love this story that kind of helps it make sense. There was this, uh, a mom and dad thought it was finally time to give in to the request of their little girl to have her own room. As it turned out, that very night, a, a severe thunderstorm struck the area. Lightning was flashing. Thunder was cracking. Mommy, mommy, the girl cried. I'm scared. Her mother called back. Don't worry. God loves you. He's watching over you. The little girl responded, I know that, Mom, but right now I need somebody with skin on. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you think about this, like the outward skin on the sacraments, right, the skin, so to speak, bread, wine, water, oil, they aren't going to be as compelling, if you will, as the human face and body of Jesus when he walked the earth. But the reality is just is real. The resurrected Lord through his spirit now comes to us under these different outward forms to physically touch and embrace us, even to enter inside of us. This is divine intimacy on a whole new level. It's like this quote that Father Bill Casey gave. He said, every time I hear a televangelist emphasize a personal relationship with Christ, I thank God that I'm Catholic. For only here can I receive the Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity. It doesn't get much more personal than that. (laughs) You know, to come inside you. This is why the Lord resurrected, ascended. And then comes to us now in, in this means to say, I just don't want to live beside you. I'm going to live inside you, my life in you. That That is a whole other realm of intimacy. So um, <clears throat> so if you've listened to me before, you know that I usually try to speak on a topic using a memory aid. So last time I, I spoke on the church precepts like being streams. Um, you know, these are the precepts of the Lord, those minimal house rules of what it means to be a Catholic. And so since we're the church militant, I put it in terms like in form of a military cadence, Sunday Mass and Holy Days, tithe to God in various ways, renew your life in sacramental grace, evangelize, make the world a holy place, abstain and do penance, especially Fridays, marriage laws, protect vows, God's way, study, know the faith, study, defend the faith, study, share the faith. So that's streams there, S-T-R-E-A-M-S. It's the way you can row, row, row your boat gently down through these streams. As we prepare for the eternal life, and I quoted Psalm 1, as blessed is a man whose delight is on the law of the Lord, on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in due season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. So I want to kind of play off that, because really the sacraments are like these streams as well. It's one thing to know the law, these precepts, but then you're like, okay, how do I have the power to do it? You know, like um, if, I, if I'm hungry, I want food, i got to go to the store. If I want fuel in my car, i got to go to the gas station. If I'm sick, I want to get some medicine, i go to go to the doctor, water, faucet, et cetera. Well, like, how do I go to get... Energy of love 
of virtue, of goodness. You know, you're like, well, this is what the Lord established in the hospital we call the church. It's not a museum of saints, but it's a hospital for sinners. And this is the medication. So I got this great visual. If you ever heard of these, uh, Father Lovasic has these St. Joseph picture books. And he's got one on the sacraments where it's got this image of Christ crucified. This light is shining through an image of the Holy Spirit, the dove, going through the church. And it's branching out in these seven streams at the base of which are all these sheep feeding on these sacraments, you know. And I kind of love that image. It makes me think about, like, um, I've heard Fulton Sheen speak of the sacraments, kind of like if you shine a light through a prism, it branches off into the seven rays. And he says, really, the Lord's light is so awesome. The only way you can even kind of perceive its wonder is to shine it through the church, and it branches off in these seven gifts we call the sacraments. So they're all different lights for the different stages to help us kind of conform ourselves to that light of Christ. We'll look at the church as like this visible sacrament of of Christ, animated by the power of, of the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, that is, you know, I mean, belief in the sacraments, understanding of the sacraments, that is sort of, uh, you know, uh, the highest form of faith or maybe a real form of faith, is it not? I mean, you've got the love of God. What what kind of love there must have been for there to be the incarnation? Mm-hmm. Tremendous love, right? Mm-hmm. So if he has that much love, yeah, wouldn't he want to stay? Of course he would. Yeah. And then if we believe that he is here, that I mean, it makes perfect sense that he would stay. And then you believe in that. You are you are exhibiting real faith that he would have that kind of love. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes we think, well, the Lord, you know, just left us alone. But it's like, no, he is Emmanuel, God with us. So we all know as Catholics, we believe his presence is with us in the Eucharist uh, always, and that we also have these sacred encounters, you know. So, but again, this was his life. This what is what he announced, instituted, and we really see it kind of like conceived, so to speak. On the cross, and I love this great quote that St. Andrew of Crete gave. This is around 700 A.D. He said that, Had there been no cross, life itself could not have been nailed to the tree. And if life had not been nailed to it, there would be no streams of immortality pouring from Christ's side, blood and water for the world's cleansing. So you think about our own birth, water and blood. But did he talk to St. Faustina before he said that? (laughs) He had divine mercy. We're going to speak about that too, which really, that flows, these two streams— of grace that are principally, you know, like the catechism speaks about the blood and water that flowed from the pure side of of the crucified Lord as types of baptism and Eucharist, the sacraments of new life. So you think about how we're born in this natural life in blood and water, so supernaturally too. And and I love it. This is is a beautiful quote that Pope Benedict gave in his book, uh, God is Near Us. He said, for the side of Jesus, when it is pierced, John has chosen exactly the same word as is used in the creation story to tell of the creation of Eve, where we normally translate it as Adam's, quote, rib. From the ultimate self-sacrifice of Jesus spring forth blood and water, Eucharist and baptism as the source of a new community. The Lord's open side is the source from which spring forth both the church and the sacraments to build up the church. So you think about the image of... Uh, Michelangelo, this great scene where God is calling Eve from Adam. And that's kind of like the image of the blood and water flowing from Christ's side and also then seen in the image of divine mercy itself is that this is a new life, a new Eve, a new community, a a new source of being that is going to be given in us and through us through Mother Church. So that image is beautiful. If you ever are at the church uh, in uh, Numeli at Immaculate Heart, we got this beautiful crucifix where we see 
suspended over the altar. <clears throat> Jesus is there, and then Our Lady is right there holding a chalice right by his open side. As if to kind of mystically show that Our Lady, as the symbol of Mother Church, is carrying these elements, and they're going to be distributed to the faithful. What a beautiful, yeah, what a beautiful image. And you get to see that, I guess, when you go into the, your church yeah. all the time. So, anyways, this is time now when we need to uh, remind everybody and tell everybody that this is uh, St. Joseph Radio, coming to you live from the realm of the West, St. Louis, Missouri, uh, where, you know, every Saturday about this time, we have a program on another interesting topic. And right now, our topic is the sacraments. And to explain and help us understand them better, we have with us uh, Sean Miller, yeah, who is the Director of Religious Education. I'll do it this time. We have the <laughs> Director of Religious Education at uh, the Church of the Immaculate Heart of Mary in New Melly. Yeah. So, Sean, thank you again. But that, that is a tremendous image. It is. It is. Chalice. And uh, probably my favorite image of all time. Heck? Oh, I'm sorry. But, but there's a... Um, of course, that, that, co- that, that coincides, of course, with one of the visions seen by the, the children at Fatima. Yes, that's right. Yep. Um, I don't know the exact moment in time it happened, but yeah, they saw grace and mercy. There was a chalice, and there was blood dripping mm-hmm. into the chalice. I think it was actually the year before uh, the visions. There was an angel that, that visited them. But, uh, but you know, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you know, that image that you have there in your church, it coincides with, you know, what, these, mm-hmm. what the kids saw at Fatima. Yeah, and my favorite image, really, of all time is I got this image here. It was painted in the 1600s by a guy named Juan Correa, I believe, and he and it was called the Allegory of the Eucharist. And there is, um, we've all heard of I am the vine, you are the branches. There is an actual vine coming out of the side of Jesus into this tree of life poured down through these grapes given to the world, and there's these sheep at the base. So really, from the heart of Jesus comes these these gifts of baptism and Eucharist, these kind of signs of new life to help us to be born again. But when you think about like when the Lord was crucified, you think of Holy Thursday, there's something much more there going on. You know, this wasn't just a nice... Passover meal. There's something more there. This wasn't just a Roman execution. There's something more there. When we celebrate Mass, there's something more than just this theatrical play of bread and wine and some people reading and whatnot. And so what I want to go into next is like, you got to have a sacramental worldview to look beyond appearances. Like, you know, everything that we see in creation should kind of point to the creator. You see a building, you think, oh, it was built. You see a piece of artwork, you're like, oh, there's an artist. So you kind of look beyond the signs to the kind of the meaning behind it, as well as who built it directed it. And so I always love these um, 3D Bible images, magic eye things, that you have to look at the image and there's something greater there than what meets the eye. And that's kind of what we're supposed to have in terms of a sacramental worldview. There's uh, there's one image in here that I really love. This is one that's called 3D Bible Stories. And it's the image of Jesus about ready to be pierced on the side. But you would never get that from just the outward image. And when I love it, I use this analogy for prayer and spirituality too, because it's not based upon IQ, if you see it or not. If you've ever had two people look at these things, it's like someone says, do you see it? Do you see the shark or the, or the field or whatever it might be, the dolphin? But it's not like it's a matter of intelligence. It's a matter of seeing. And faith is a gift. And you have to be able to kind of get the gift of faith to be able to look through it. And it's what Fulton Sheen called, a, um, to get the sacraments, you got to have what's called like a divine sense of humor. And uh, this is what he says. This is from a book called These Are the Sacraments. He says, no one can ever understand the sacraments unless he has what might be called a divine sense of humor. A person is said to have a sense of humor if he can see through things. One lacks a sense of humor if he cannot see through things. No one laughs at a joke if he can't see its twofold meaning. I got a little story joke here, and we'll see if 
if you get it, okay? okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have a test. So, <laughs> yeah. This is called the story of the three sons, all right? Three sons were born and raised in a simple, humble family in a simple, humble home. After getting education at their local Catholic grade school, they left the humble circumstances of home and went off to live lives of fame and fortune. Their parents would soon be celebrating 60 years of marriage, so the boys decided to each spend lavish gifts on them to show their appreciation. The first son said, I'm going to go send mom and dad a stretch limo with a private driver so they can always drive around in class. The second son said, I'm going to send them on trips in my private jet to fly anywhere they want to go in the world. The third son said, okay, I'm impressed, Mr. World Travelers. I'm thinking, however, about a gift that's a little more practical, but I think one that's just as impressive. You remember how mom and dad have been saying that they wanted to read the Bible more as they get older, and you know that their eyesight has been fading. Well, I bought a remarkable parrot. It's been intensively (laughs) trained for over 10 years. It's able to recite any text in the entire Bible on command. Mom or dad just has to name the book or the chapter verse, and the parrot recites it. It cost me a little over 10 grand, but nothing can compare for the gift that mom and dad has been for us. So gifts were sent. A few weeks later, Mom sends out her letters of thanks. Dearest son, she wrote to her firstborn, thank you so much for the chance to drive around in class, as you said. But at our age, we pretty much stick to traveling to church and the grocery store, so I think this limo might be a little bit of an overkill. Dearest son, she wrote to her secondborn, thank you so much for the chance to travel the world, but your father and I are at an age at which we'd like to keep our feet on the ground. Dearest son, she wrote to her thirdborn, of all three boys... You have the good sense to know what your mom and dad appreciate most at our age. That chicken you sent was absolutely <laughs> delicious. <laughs> All right, so you got it. All right, yeah. All right, well. All you got to do is cue me to laugh at the proper moment. <laughs> so, you know, if you got the joke, you see through it, you know, and it's kind of like when the Lord walked the earth. He just wasn't a man. He was something more than man. He was the God-man. You would say he was the sacrament of the invisible God. In him, the image of the invisible God, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, so that his own humanity was the sacrament of his divinity. So the sacraments are just like that. They're more than meets the eye, as the old Transformers motto show is. There's something physical, material, visible, and seen, but there's also something deeper, spiritual, immaterial, invisible, and unseen. So without that worldview, you're not going to get it. You're not going to see it. And so that's something you got to say. It's more than intelligence. It's more than IQ. It's, it's also a gift of faith. So just as you couldn't look at the 33-year-old Jesus and say, oh, looks like God, feels like God, smells like God, you know, I can see God, it's like there's something more. And that's what it comes through faith. Now we got motives of credibility to help us to believe that, but it's like uh, you got to be able to see through it, just like you did with that chicken you sent was delicious. Now, An expensive chicken. <laughs> yeah, really. So everyone's probably seen the billboard, uh, Jesus Saves, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus sure, Saves Sinners, you know. And um, so what it states is true, but the question becomes how? How does one come into contact with that sacred event, that cure from the cross? This has been a span of 20 centuries, right? So how does this grace come into our soul? How is it communicated? How is, how is it applied? How are these remedies and medicines given to us? We'll say faith is one way to come in contact with it, but it's also like, you know, we're just not angelic beings. You know, there's something physical to us. So we say that it's primarily in these gifts that we call sacraments. So again, it's probably good to define what we're talking about here. 
just like Christ and just in now in the church, these sacraments are visible, physical, material signs instituted by Jesus by which invisible, spiritual, immaterial grace and inward sanctification are communicated to the soul. So every day we're doing this right. Um, a handshake, it's something physical, but it means something spiritual. A hug, the marital embrace, spoken word, written word. You see something there, but there's something greater, right? <laughs> you get the meaning behind it. So, like, anytime you read a book, you're not just, you know, stuck at the letters of the page. You're being transferred their meaning, hopefully, anyways, if you're literate. And the same thing, too, with, like, faith, that there's something more than just what you see. So I'm going to speak about why seven, but um, I, I first want to have this great quote from St. Albert the Great. He used this uh, quote in Proverbs 1 that says, Wisdom has built her house and it's set upon seven pillars. And we're going to see these seven pillars really support and hold up the church. But I want to think about the term pillar. And I one of the things I do when I teach about the catechism is it's really broken down into four parts, which I put in the acronym of SALT, sacrament, Sacraments, Apostles' Creed, Lord's Prayer, Ten Commandments. And if you want to get to know more about the sacraments, this is just kind of a general talk about it. But if you want to go in depth, you really got to read the catechism and that section on the sacraments. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, Steve Ray, who is the uh, author of a couple books in the Footprints of God series, which you might uh, have heard about, he's got a website called catholicconvert.com, and he's got this really cool chart that goes through every section of the Catechism on the Sacraments, and then he charts it out with who can minister, what's the scriptural background, what's the required state to receive it, how often you can receive it, the effect it communicates in your own life, the form, the words, as well as the stuff that's used. So if you want to kind of like an overview, a quick cheat sheet on the sacraments, kind of like the who, what, where, when, why, and how, and what it does. Oh, cheat sheets. I like cheat sheets. There you go. It's catholicconvert.com. So I got the chart here in front of me, but it's uh, it's really beautiful, especially to think about the effect, because every sacrament is suited to something in the soul to make it be conform more to who Christ is. Now, one of the things that Steve Ray did, which is awesome, is he also made this um, part of the video series was on Moses that it's called Moses, Signs, Sacraments, and Salvation. And he lays out kind of how all these sacraments were prefigured in the Old Testament. You know, just you think about the life of Christ, how he just didn't show up and say, here I am. There was prophecies and types, persons, places, things, events that kind of foreshadowed the coming of Christ. And you would think if the Lord's going to give us these great signs of his life, his body, they're going to be prefigured too. And lo and behold, you can do these Old Testament studies we think about, you know, circumcision, anointings, consecrations, laying on of hands, sacrifices, above all, the Passover, right? These are all kind of prefigurements of these great gifts. And really, for every sacrament, you can go and say, all right, where was this kind of prefigured in some capacity in the Old Testament? It's not always as clear-cut maybe as we'd like it, but you see these two in a particular way prefigured, which is going to be baptism and Eucharist. But um, for any kids out there or parents with their sons or daughters, if you want to get a good book that kind of talks about some of the typology, too, there's a book that it's called Catechism of the Seven Sacraments, and it's kind of done through Legos and uh, these beautiful ways. So we'll talk more about that in a second when we, we return here. Oh very, oh, very good. Not only, uh, yeah, <laughs> this is, you know, this is making my job easy. All I got to do is just sit here. And just, um, anyways, uh, so as, uh, as Sean was telling us, um, that we are going to be jo- uh, coming back soon. We're going to have a short break. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. We're talking about all things sacramental today. We're talking about... Uh, 
why we have these seven gifts, uh, that they are, in fact, you know, uh, extensions of grace and love from God. They are a mystery to a lot of people. If you want to learn more about them, hear more about them, understand more about them, please, you know, come stay with us. We'll be right back. Our Catholic faith, Colby Academy has the solution, offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable. Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility and home education. Education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K O L B E.org. Or give them a call. Area code 707 255 6499. That's 707 255 6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the pro-life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Well, welcome back. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri, which we... I very humbly and modestly call the Rome of the West. Uh, and with us, uh, coming to you over the airwaves today, Mr. Sean Miller, who is the Director of Religious Education at uh, the Immaculate Heart of Mary Church in New Melly. And we're lucky to have you, Sean. Thank you for joining us again today. And uh, you're here to tell us all about the sacraments, so please continue. Yeah, so I was given an overview of just uh, these seven wonders of the world. And um, I had mentioned last time there's a neat little book called The Catechism of the Seven Sacraments where they talk about the typology and preparation for the sacraments, and they're, and they're done using visu- visuals of, with Legos. And uh, it's just a great introduction to uh, visuals of the sacraments via, via these Legos to kind of highlight – what I mentioned about these prefigurements are what's called types, typology, that what was concealed in the old is revealed in the new. What is in the old contained is the new explained. If the old was the shadow, the new is the light. It's like going from radio to TV. All these things that were prefigured, especially in these sacraments. So oh, that, is, that does sound interesting. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing to really ponder that because, again, it's like not just they, these, like, here I am, I showed up, and, oh, here's seven means of sanctification when I leave. It's like... No, this is all, you know, think it's about part of a plan? circumcision, anointings, sacrifices, and again, the Passover. Now, the Catechism is a great quote here. It says that Jesus' words and actions during his life announced and prepared what he was going to give the church when all was accomplished. 
The mysteries of Christ's life are the foundations of what he would henceforth dispense in the sacraments through the ministers of the church. For, quote, what was visible in our Savior has passed over into his mysteries. That's a quote from St. Leo the Great, like in the 4th or 5th century there. And uh, it says mysteries, but this is interesting. It's like the Greek word, we get the word mystery from musterion, and the Latin root from that comes is the word sacramentum, where we get the word sacrament. Really? So these mysteries was kind of given the term for all this all the things that the Lord did, but that we have kind of seen over time that these these mysteries have broken out in these seven privileged means in, in these sacraments. So that what the Lord did in history, the church continues to do in mystery, in sacrament, in, in this form. Christ is the mystery hidden from all ages. He comes to show up on the scene, and he gives us this great life. So... I want to break out these seven sacraments and just speak about them in general. And this is the memory aid, all right? This is the thing that I pray the Holy Spirit gave, gave to me. It's, this is our uh, cheat sheet. This is something that I hope that people can use because I think it's a great visual. It's the chamber of sacraments. So we spoke about these two great ones flowing out of the side of Christ in baptism and the Eucharist. But you think about the word chamber. And you can apply that to the seven sacraments, confirmation, holy orders, anointing of the sick, marriage, baptism, Eucharist, reconciliation. Through these sacraments, our Lord pumps divine life, grace into his body, the church, to give, quote, our oxygen-depleted members a new, rich abundance of love, light, moral energy. Dr. Feingold, in his book, he said, it's not uncommon for theologians to compare the mass to the beating heart of a living body. All the organs are important for the life of the organism, but the heart has a special place in pumping the lifeblood to the whole body. The sacraments are the constituent elements of a circulatory system through which that same life-giving blood is constantly diffusing from and concentrating back on a central focus, which is the heart of the mystical body. This focus, this pulsing heart, is the Mass. Who said that? That's Dr. Larry Feingold in his book, Touched by Christ. Uh, Oh, the book you have right now? Yeah. So you see that the heart is the center, that is the Eucharist. And yet it pumps this divine life through these other means as well, through this body we call the church. And that's a really beautiful thing to think about then. So again, when you think about the symbol of the heart, you know, that that is the source of the human person. That's that's from which all life and and workings flow. And even Christ speaks that from the heart can come also bad things. So we want to be clean of heart, pure of heart, you know, not just physically, but but spiritually. But, but when I thought about the heart, of course you think about the four chambers. And that right away, the number four, maybe think about the four evangelists who really, they they write and record the great workings of this life of Christ in and through these sacraments poured out for us. And of, of all the evangelists, one stands out, St. John, with really, you can look at his gospel and see biblical backgrounds for all the sacraments, you know, starting with John 2, a marriage at Cana, marriage, John 3, he speaks about baptism, being born again, John 6 with the Eucharist, John 9, the anointing of the sick, John 14, confirmation, the Lord's going to send us a counselor to be with us, John 17, holy orders, I've sent them into the world, I consecrate myself, consecrate them in truth, and then John 20, reconciliation, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven, if you retain, they are retained. So you see these kind of like scriptural backgrounds that John really highlights in his presentation to mention these wonders of what the Eucharist is, but two stand out, John 3 and John 6, when, you know, really those are the most clear because when the Lord instituted these, he said that word that we all take for granted, amen, amen. It was like an oath formula, truly, I swear it so. Amen, amen, I say to you in John 3, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, 
he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And in John 6, he says, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So it's like, of all these seven, you see these biblical roots, both in John's gospel and other places, but like in John 3 and John 6, you see some biggies, like this is this is a big deal. So baptism and, and the Eucharist are going to be kind of the root and the fruit, the two main sacraments that form this mystical body of Christ that comes from his side. So that's why I love the image of this chamber of sacraments. This is the sacred heart chamber of sacraments. This is something that's really beautiful. So that, yeah, that, that is a tremendous image. Yeah, and I think about this, you know, if you look at uh, just the heart, they say, what's the number one killer uh, in America? It's heart disease. And you think about spiritual heart disease, oh, that boy. is really the number one killer in terms of mortal sin and whatnot. And then um, in Mark 7, 7, 14, he says, hear me, all of you, and understand. And he speaks about the heart. He says, what comes out of a man is what defiles a man from within. Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a man. So one of the things we've got to make clear about sacraments is that their primary purpose, you know, it's to be the remedy for that three-letter word we call sin, original sin and personal sin. These are the medicines that we're supposed to take. You know, again, I said at the beginning, we're massively concerned. Everybody's talking constantly about vaccines and viruses and medications and doctors and all this stuff, you know, and uh, it, that's got their place, I guess. But, like, can it be balanced by the true vaccine of the cure from the cross and the true virus, which is sin? You know, uh, I, it's like, would that we were concerned about these spiritual vaccines to ward off sin as we are the vaccines are being touted today. And I would think about this. You see people lined up in front of these CSVs or Walgreens to get the shot. But like when you go to confession, like one guy wrote, he says, you know, one of the greatest things that I found about going to confession is that there's never a line. And then he says, <laughs> one of the saddest things yeah, about going to right, confession right. is that there's never a line. So when you think about the remedies for sin, and especially the gift of the sacrament of reconciliation, and it's free health care in body and soul, and it's like it is hardly anybody in line. You know, I, you know, thanks be to God, we have a family practice where we go pretty much every month, and rarely has it been we've ever had to wait in line. And you're like, why is that? It's because we don't really see the dangers of what sin is. It's the one thing that can withhold us from being with God in time and ultimately in eternity, you know? And it's like, um, this is interesting, too. When you think about these uh, sacraments as, as remedies, as medicines, you know, Dr. Brant Petrie, he has a, a series called Presence where he speaks about the Eucharist, and he's, he quotes St. Ignatius of Antioch, 107 AD, spoke about the Eucharist as the medicine of immortality. And he said, just imagine with all the money spent on medicine today, if you found out there was a medicine of immortality, <laughs> you know? What would you do to go get it? And and yet, we're like, well, uh, you know, it's, it's commonplace. <laughs> but it's like, this is why the church gives us this precept of attending Sunday Mass, you know, and Holy Days, because these are the medicines of immortality. This is what you need to really keep you on the track for eternal life, you know? I mean, St. Paul speaks about the Eucharist as somehow also protecting us from physical ills as, as well, 1 Corinthians 11. So it's like, you know, you, you got to think these sacraments are to give us life 
you know, I come that they might have life, have it more abundantly. And it's not just life everlasting. That's the ultimate reward. But it's also in time that these are meant to help me live a life of virtue and of goodness and of beauty and of, you know, how do you deal with guilt? How do you deal with, you know, vice? Well, this is why the Lord died to come to give it to us. So you think about sin. People speak about it in terms of like, well, is it, do you look at sin as like a crime, as a, as a disease, as a disorder, as a disobedience? I like to think about sin as like poison, you know, and uh, in the baptismal ritual, it even speaks of it like, you know, that baptism comes to free us from the poison of sin. And one of the things, going back to Jesus on the cross, it's almost like, Remember the gospel text where it says, as Moses was lifted up, so, so Jesus will himself be lifted up too, and that they will be, realize that he is. And so, so it's like when you look at Jesus on the cross, it's almost like somebody who has taken the bite of the serpent, taken that venom within him, and has now transformed it to create the anti-venom, the antidote, to be the remedy for those who are struck by the serpent in the poison of sin. So this is what, like, I got an image here of, like, this snake, you know, when, it, when they were trying to create the, the venom here and, uh, and, and the antidote. So that this is what we're meant to kind of to have to kind of receive us from. This is from the Lord who was lifted up, who almost looked like he was a serpent. He took it, the serpent's bite upon himself. He kind of, it says, became sin, accursed for us, but that it's to pour forth this new life. So this is what we're receiving, and I think back to Jonas Salk and when he, you know, created the virus or the uh, vaccine for polio. And you know, really, this is the cure from the cross that Jesus, who is the divine physician, who's going to take this within Himself and give us this antidote to give us this cure. Like there's a wordplay if you look at the word curse, C-U-R-S-E, change the last two letters to be cures. And this is what Jesus does for us. And this is a beautiful thing. And it's a, it is just sad that we get so focused on this physical realm as opposed to the spiritual realm. So one of the things we look at, like, why did God become man? <laughs> you know, it's for this reason. He wanted to show his love for us physically, and he wanted to give us a chance to share in that great exchange that he has with the Father and the Spirit. And so this isn't about... You know, like people have read and got excited about this book, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. This is the divine potter and the Chamber of Sacraments, where the Lord molds us, shapes us, forms us, and conforms us to himself. And so I want to get a little bit into, kind of in our closing time, why seven? And St. Thomas Aquinas wrote that really there's seven sacraments because really there's seven conditions for leading a physical life. You know, if you think about leading a life, you got to be born. You know, well, actually, I'll, I'll go through them here. I want to quote this catechism. It says, the sacraments, this is from uh, CCC 1210, the sacraments touch all the stages and all the important moments of Christian life. They give birth and increase, healing and mission and so forth. It goes on there. But Fulton Sheen in his book, The Seven Sacraments, um, says this, okay, you want to be born and live a natural life? Birth. Supernatural life? Birth. Baptism. You want to live a natural life, you have to eat and drink. Supernaturally, that's the Eucharist. Naturally, if you get wounded, there got to be medication in the spiritual life, reconciliation. We have to mature, assume the responsibilities of an adult. This is called confirmation. If called to marriage, right, we, we love our spouse, we help them get to heaven, we extend the human family, that's a sacramental counterpart in the gift called marriage. As a member of society, we live under a government and justice and human relationships. We've got a spiritual government we call 
holy orders, and then we end our life through death. And so also in the spiritual life, we have the sacrament to kind of help us to prepare to rid ourselves of sin and then to prepare for the next life. So these are really like the seven bridges road to play off the Eagles uh, song. These are meant to kind of conform us to all these um, moments in time to conform us to Christ's life. So you think about from womb to tomb, there he is. And then we've got access historically, you know, in mystery now to what Jesus died to give us. So I think it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful. <laughs> it is a beautiful thing. I mean, there's obviously, obviously a plan. I mean, we're, as you say, from the womb to the tomb at every stage of your life, there is something there to accompany us. Yep. And so, really, the first three would be the sacraments we call of initiation, baptism, Eucharist, confirmation. Right. That's kind of what makes a person a full-fledged member of, of the faith. Um, then you got the sacraments of healing, reconciliation, and anointing of the sick. They kind of repair what is broken in the soul and also in the body as well. And then we got these sacraments of service, marriage and holy orders. So these are are meant to build up the church in numbers and in strength. They're directed toward the good of others rather than oneself. So we got these seven beautiful gifts, these masterworks, the catechism calls. And I love it. There's a great scene when, you know, the Lord's walking through and people are touching him and all of a sudden he stops and he says, who touched me? And they're like, Lord, there's all <laughs> there's kinds a lot of people, of people right? And there's this woman scared and afraid. And he's like, this is the woman. And he noticed that power had come forth from him. This woman had suffered for many years um, with a hemorrhage and she was healed just by touching the cloak. So you think about this is like sacraments are when we're touched by Christ where he, he, he reaches out and extends himself through his mystical body, and that power is communicated to us today. So they say, there are powers that come forth from the body of Christ, which is ever-living and life-giving. There are actions of the Holy Spirit at work in his body, the church. They are the masterworks of God in the new and everlasting covenant. So, so praise God. I mean, hopefully every time we receive some sacrament, we will have some level of experience. It's in the soul, right? We can't always feel it, but hopefully it'll overflow into the senses at times and say, I've been touched by the Lord. It's like when we get into our, kind of our closing thoughts, it's going to be a talking about dispositions and, and preparing for these selves so that, you know, like it's like the church speaks about even when you receive the sacrament of reconciliation, there should be a consolation in, in your own body to recognize that, Something just happened here that, you know, rooted out something that was hindering me from being fully alive. So that's what the sacraments are meant to do. Yeah, they are meant to actually uh, really touch us um, and help us along the way. So this is uh, St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. We're with uh, Sean Miller today. We're talking about all things uh, sacramental. And, you know, you know, as you were talking, Sean, you you know, talking about how, you know, we really need to to recognize that these are, in fact, uh, instances where God is is touching us, mm-hmm. um, and He wants to touch us. He wants to be really, as you said before, earlier in the program, really intimate with us. Yeah. And I, you know, I was reminded of this story. There's a uh, a nun by the name of Sister uh, Bridge McKenna, mm-hmm. and she had a mystical experience. When I mean, we're talking about the sacraments being true mystical encounters with God, yeah. well, she had. Uh, a little revelation that occurred to her one time when she was receiving the Eucharist. And as she was coming back to her pew, she had an image of Christ. She saw Christ. And he was going into this tent. 
And this tent was full of holes. It was rig- it was it was rickety, it was it was worn, it was shabby, it was terrible looking. Mm-hmm. And she wanted him to stay out of the tent. She said, you know, don't go in there. And he said to her, he said, Well, why? I live in here. <laughs> and what was communicated to her at that moment was that tent was her soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was shabby and it was, you know, torn because she had been tainted by sin. Yeah. And that's where he wanted to live. He wanted to be there with her. He wanted to come inside of her. Mm-hmm. He had, yeah, no matter, okay, we sin, we all sin. It didn't separate her from the love of God. Yeah. Well, that's a great lead into what we're going to speak about because at the end of the day, it's massively humbling to think about the Lord saying, I, I want to live my life in you, uh, f- physically through you, supernaturally through you. So, you know, we build these great churches and tabernacles and gold and all this, you know, handiwork to house this sacred Eucharist. And yet the body itself is a temple. Now, granted, the Lord knows us, right? We're all sinners. This is why he comes. <laughs> you know, it's not to get overly scrupulous here, but, you know, uh, the Lord does want to have a fitting a place to stay in our lives, you know, despite our wretchedness. But again, if we kind of say, well, then what what do I have to have? What disposition do I have to receive? Because, you know, you see a lot of people who received sacraments for their whole life. You're like, is there any change? I mean, I don't judge anybody so, but you're like, from the outward signs, there doesn't seem to be much different there. And Dr. Feingold, he, he really gets... Um, you know, highlights this to speak about dispositions. And I, I, I really like this because there's a principle in the church, it's called ex opere operata, which basically means that the Lord, by the very fact of the actions being performed, the Lord is going to work this sacrament out here, okay? So it's Christ who is performing the sacraments. He who is baptized, it's he who absolves. So the grace of the sacrament does not depend on the sanctity of the minister. The sun shining through a dirty window does not become polluted because of the dirty window, right? So they're going to work despite the minister. And that's that's something to always know. So it's because of the Holy Spirit's action, as fire transforms into itself everything it touches, so the Holy Spirit's going to transform into the divine life, whatever is subjected to its power. But Dr. Feingold goes on, he goes, we got to remember the principle, whatever is received is received according to the mode of the receiver. So if you are a, a seed, if you plant a seed in concrete... You can't expect it to bear fruit. So if you plant the seed of grace into a soul that's not ready to bear fruit or it's not fitting, you know, it's kind of like the parable of the sower, right? We all know that parable. Where is the seed being planted? Is it in rocky soil? Is it in soil that's easily snatched away? Or is it in good soil? So kind of like the the, the soils tilled up is kind of like the disposition. So that I have to be in a state of friendship with the Lord. I've got to desire this. I want to be able to utilize this. I want this to bear fruit in my life, in my marriage, in my home, in the world. Now, does anybody who ever goes up to receive a sacrament, think about this. Like, what is my disposition right now as I'm saying amen? And like, am I really open to it? Now, granted, God saves a wretch like us. We're all, we're all you know, dirtbags on the big scale of things. But you're like, this is where a seed comes in. And if I don't have that desire or disposition to truly be cleansed, then, you know, it's kind of like, do you remember the gospel scene where Jesus looks at the barren fig tree and he's not impressed? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he says he curses the fig tree because it's not bearing fruit and it was meant to. So it's like, if we're not bearing fruit, then something's not right there. So again... 
you know, you, you look at the soul of your own heart, and I love this line. It says, the same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. The same boiling water that softens the potato hardens the egg. So you think about what is the soil of my soul, and is it being, uh, how is it being ready to receive this grace? Is it truly tilled? Is it open? Does it even want to come, the Lord to come into it? You know, because again, we're really good at going through the motions, you know, but the Lord says, you know, their, their lips, you know, speak these words, but their hearts are far from me. Hmm. And so conversion is just not going to happen in our life unless we've got this disposition to truly receive, you know, that's why the church even holds out the sacramental um, spiritual communions that even though you're not receiving the sacrament, if you've got the desire in some way, the Lord's going to respond to that. That's what many people had to do during the whole COVID thing when they couldn't attend mass. There's some spiritual fruits there, but it's like, imagine that that's one thing and that's all good and, and true. But it's like, as we're walking up the aisle to receive the Lord, what disposition do we have? So Peter Kreeft had said this. He goes, sacraments are like hoses. They are channels of the living water of God's grace. Our faith is like opening the faucet. We can open it a lot, a little, or not at all. So just in our closing time here, I want to say one last thing that Dr. Feingold pointed out that I thought was really beautiful. He says, if you look at the seven sacraments, kind of like the seven conditions of life, two have to do with you know society, marriage, and, and um, holy orders, but the five are kind of like for the cultivation and sanctification of the individual soul. And he says, when you look at the Lord's Prayer, he says, um, really, the, the prayer is, it's a fundamental desire for these sacraments. I, I never really thought about this before, but he goes, he says, look at this. He goes, at the center of the prayer is the desire for the Eucharist expressed in the petition uh, which also includes our temporal needs to grant us our daily bread. It's followed by the desire for penance by which our sins may be forgiven. It prays for the coming of the kingdom, which is kind of implies a desire for baptism and confirmation. You know, baptism is the way we build up the kingdom. Confirmation strengthens it, right? And the Lord, we want his will to be done in our lives. And at the end, we're, we're praying for uh, to be liberated from all evil, which ultimately is kind of what the anointing of the sick is going to be. So you think about those petitions and apply them to the sacraments. It's kind of like five means to say, Lord, sanctify me in this life. Tell me be formed in all these stages. So, so bottom line, you know, the the real challenge is to kind of be animated by a a sacramental awareness, a sacramental spirituality, that God's love is poured from His heart into ours, and this is what is meant to kind of help us to respond to Him in our weakness and our sinfulness. So, if we would allow that Spirit to transform us, it's a beautiful world. So. Praise God. Praise God. Sean, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, We've benefited so much from all that you've told us about the the sacraments, how they relate to, uh, you know, the stages of our life. The seven sacraments relate to the seven stages of our life. How, you know, you gave us a beautiful image of, you know, like sacraments are like a heart pumping blood to us, uh, pumping blood throughout our our bodies. And and then lastly, this. You know, the, the, this advice you've given us on how we should receive the sacraments, what kind of a disposition we should have, how much gratitude we should really have for these tremendous gifts. So uh, we want to thank you for being here with us today. This has been St. Joseph uh, Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. We hope you will join us again next time. We'll have another speaker and some more very interesting talk. Thank you.
You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.